0: Hello and welcome to the Bunker Daily. I'm Jacob Jarvis. As a new host here, I'm gonna put some cards on the table. I'll whisper this one. I'm a millennial. One of those pesky, entitled upstarts you've heard all about. But even though I'm still pretty young, I reckon, I'm 30 this year, there is a group of new kids on the block starting to make me feel old. Gen Z, or Gen Z, if you prefer. They're full of energy, They can code, they can edit videos, and they actually care about things. And not content without stripping me when it comes to skills and morals, they also have an ever-evolving list of words to keep me clueless as to what they're actually talking about. But here with me today, I have two guests to decipher Gen Z and translate their latest slate of slang. Olive Pometsy is Features Editor for The Face magazine. Hi, Olive. Hi, Jacob. And Jade Wicks, also of the face, who writes about all things culture, both in the real world and in the deepest depths of the internet. Hi, Jade. Hi, Jacob. Thanks for both for being with me today. Let's get started. Jade, you're one of those Gen Zders, which is roughly people born from 1997 to 2012. What do you think sets this generation apart from generations that came before it?
1: This is a difficult one. I feel like... So I'm 96, so I'm kind okay. of like on the cusp yeah. of Gen Z slash millennial. I feel like I have Gen Z vibes, but I also am like quite millennial in my heart. <laughs> but I do think that what kind of sets Gen Z apart, I guess, is... It's one of the first generations to have properly kind of grown up with smartphones and social Mm. media. And they're much more aware of themselves as kind of like a brand and their image as a brand. So they're more likely to kind of pick up and drop slang terms kind of as quickly as it takes to post and delete a picture on Instagram. And it's much more quick fire in that way. Yeah. Yeah, I guess awareness of themselves as a brand is what kind of sets them apart from other generations, that kind of awareness you know, when you were at a party back in kind of like 2000, you weren't worried about pictures turning up and your employer mm-hmm. seeing them and, you know, that's yeah. stopping you from getting a job at some point. But now, you know, it's much more curated.
0: Yeah, I mean, even when I was at university, which isn't that long ago, I remember getting my first iPhone. I'm, I'm starting to make myself feel old straight away, but I might as well <laughs> lean into that. And before that, I had this awful smartphone which just took the, like, most ludicrous photos. They were just so bad. And so, yeah, I mean, how does that feel, that kind of, you know, when you're doing experience like freshers? I mean, I probably didn't revel myself in glory doing something w- with my behavior during that point, but there's maybe about 10 blurry pictures of me. How does it feel when you're going through those points in life knowing that, everything could be documented and sort of blown up. How did that make you feel? Well,
1: I guess it's scary and there's a lot of pressure and it makes you feel much more self-conscious about what you kind of put put out there. And I suppose now with TikTok as well, which which wasn't so much of a thing when I was growing up, you kind of, when you lean into slang and you lean into trends, it's kind of to take part in what kind of seems cool in that moment, if that makes Mm. sense. It's a bit more calculated, I guess, than it would be when you're kind of at freshers and then you're putting all the pictures up on Facebook and like tagging all your mates in them, that kind of thing.
0: Do you think it's easier to classify Gen Z as well? Because sort of less than half of Gen Z are adults at this point. There's only a small chunk that are 18 to 25. So Mm. maybe, you know, when we speak about other generations, all of them are adults. And it's maybe a bit more of a sort of amorphous chunk of people. Whereas Mm. with Gen Z, that's only seven years worth of people. So do you think that maybe makes them a little bit easier to pigeonhole, maybe than the older generations, just because there are there are less in the adult world, really?
1: I don't know. I feel like we kind of have a bit of a short memory when it comes to that, and we've actually pigeonholed every generation as they've been coming mm. up, like the Gen Xs, the millennials, and stuff like they used to have like covers on Time magazine where it was like, this is the lazy generation. Mm. I think was that with millennials? I think yeah, I'm millennials thinking, are the lazy yeah. generation. yeah,, <laughs> I think that's what I'm thinking of. So I think, yeah, we're kind of very quick to pigeonhole. Everyone, it's hilarious that we kind of say those same things about Gen Z now when actually that's what we were saying about millennials kind of like 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, I definitely feel like I've got plenty of avocado on toast and entitled (laughs) jibes for a long time. (laughs) Even though now, yeah, I mean, I'm a millennial and that's like 30-ish to 40 or something like that, roughly. Mm. So it's sort of, you know, that's a huge, huge breakup, really. So, Olive, every generation has had slang, But Gen Z seems to have, to me, it seems like they have more. Do you think that's just social media making it more present, or is that a bit of an oversimplification?
2: Yeah, I think social media does play a huge role in it. I think the fact that you can be online and you have access to all of this slang, like I think before, probably, slang was a lot more localised. So you would have UK Mm -hmm. slang, you would have London-specific slang, you would have Northern slang, but now you have people in America saying words like fam, which is Mm -hmm. very london based slang and it sounds kind of weird coming out in an American yeah. accent sometimes but because it's able to like kind of travel yeah. over the internet people are picking up all these terms and then I also think there is a lot of community online so a lot of the slang is born out of these communities like mm. you know kind of fandoms or gaming communities that's where you see a lot of the roots of the kind of slang that we're going to talk about today that comes yeah. from those kind of subcultures online so I think there's just more space for people to develop this language yeah. and kind of layer it and like a lot of those languages also like very layered so you're like just building on stuff that has been said before so you had you know at one point people were saying that's hot and they were saying that's fire now we're saying that's lit and it's just the (laughs) same thing but just a different version of it which is like growing with each generation
0: Do you think some of it comes from a kind of crossover between cultures sometimes as well because that's accelerated you know we sort of see maybe musically you know you see these genres coming out where it's just two you know maybe diametrically opposed things thrown together and then suddenly they're sort of you know so it's like i don't know you get these hardcore bands who dress like they're all rappers and then you get these metal bands who are party people or whatever like this kind of weird sort of you know mix of different people do you think that's part of what's been accelerated and that means words just get shared kind of naturally because people maybe just mixing more with different groups than they would have before yeah
2: i think so i think genres as we once knew them have kind of been thrown out the window you're like like you say you'll have mm. like punk artists collaborating with rappers and you know i think you know we've seen emo make a real big comeback in the past year or so yeah. and at once upon a time emos were like their group and you yeah. wouldn't like socialize with them whereas everyone's blending together and i think that's Kind of also a very Gen V thing. The kind yeah. of like focus on the individual and the kind of like you do mentality, and not so much being in a clique or like yeah. wanting to like have your people and just know those people. You want to like actually be involved in a bit of everything and kind yeah. of like put everything together for your own individual style.
0: Jade, with the slang, to you, what's the what's the point? You know, is it to? signify identity? Is it to keep oldies out a little bit? Or is it just for a laugh? Is there a kind of motivation behind wanting to use slang
1: for people? I feel like it's kind of not really that deep, like especially Mm. when you're in the moment. Like I think at its core, slang is like a shorthand. It's like an inside language that you use to kind of build a community with people. It's kind of just like a wink-wink, nudge-nudge kind of thing. And then it kind of takes on a life of its own as things do with the internet. Mm. So I think that's where it's kind of born from, but it's not necessarily something that is created with the purpose of keeping people out, I don't think. I think it's just... I guess it's just like trends, like, yeah. like fashion trends and stuff like that. It's the mm. same with language. It just kind of takes on its own form and then morphs to include more and more people with the internet.
0: An early one to ask, that deep. Explain <laughs> that deep <laughs> to you,
1: please. <laughs> that deep means that it's just not that meaningful. It's okay. not got ulterior motives. It's mm. not something that, I mean... I feel like with language, it's difficult because you look back on it and, you know, maybe in 10 years, it will be that deep because it will be interesting to study in terms of the culture and what was going on in that moment. But in the moment when when people come up with slang, you know, most of the time, it's just a joke. You mm. know, it's nothing that really is set out to reflect like a cultural shift
0: to yeah. begin with. Yeah. Let's get on to some of the more. Popular words that I've seen kicking around the internet, I've gone down into the, you know, the content (laughs) cave. So you, so you don't have to. Uh, Olive, what does it mean to stand someone?
2: Okay, so to be a stan is to be an obsessive fan. Like to the, it's the most you can be obs- an obsessive with a celebrity. So the term kind of originates from Eminem's song "Stan." Okay, that um, so Eminem takes on a voice of one of his fans who is writing letters to him about mm-hmm. how much he loves him, and then he becomes increasingly angry when he doesn't respond, yeah. and eventually goes on to kill himself and his girlfriend, which is pretty dark. But in the modern context, it, it's just kind of been appropriated to yeah. represent fanatical fans who will, you know, start fan pages, tweet every single time, yeah. they do something, <laughs> get them to the top of the charts at whatever cost, just support them through it yeah. throughout everything.
0: That's why BTS are trending on Twitter every single day, Absolutely, I
2: The BTS army.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they get out there.
0: <laughs> Jade, what's the appeal of stanning to Gen Z? I don't know, when I was maybe a bit younger, it kind of felt like, you know, if someone was cool and just looked a bit cool you didn't really care about who they were so much. You'd just go, oh, yeah, their music's kind of cool and I'd like to look like that. Mm. So I like it. What's the appeal to, you know, that stanning mentality seems to be a little bit, I'll use one of my new words now, a little bit deeper (laughs) than that, I
1: suppose. Well, I don't think this is a uniquely kind of Gen Z phenomenon like i liken it to kind of supporting your favorite sports team like you you uplift okay. them tirelessly through all their wins and losses and your allegiance to them never shifts and you kind of mm. bond with others over the whole experience and you can kind of look back all the way to the 60s with Beatlemania and how you know people were reacting to the beatles the rolling stones and i think that's really carried over to now with you know the beehive beyonce rihanna's navy lady gaga's little monsters mm-hmm. and i think that supporting a musician or a star is kind of it's kind of vital to your coming of age, isn't it? To your sense of identity where you kind of start discovering what you like Mm -hmm. and what kind of style you're into. And then you kind of meet people through that, like-minded people. And I do think that the internet has kind of broadened that sense of community so widely. I think it's a lot easier to kind of get entrenched in that Mm -hmm. kind of stan mentality when you're kind of within the confines of your screen, if that makes sense. It's kind of. I wouldn't call it kind of, not radicalised, like maybe that's the wrong word, but it's much easier, I think, to Mm -hmm. get kind of sucked into it than it would have been pre-internet for example but you know that's not to say that all stanning is bad like I wrote down in my notes that um, like say Britney fans were instrumental in kind of setting her free from her like abusive conservatorship so you know stanning can be a good thing but it's when it kind of crosses that line into kind of obsession that it can be a bit detrimental I reckon
0: As of right now hosting this podcast have I got main character syndrome?
2: <laughs> main character syndrome. I mean, maybe but I don't think that's a bad thing. Okay. Um, so I guess to describe it, main character syndrome is when you believe or you act as though you're the main character in your own film. So I think probably like the ultimate example of a main character is Carrie Bradshaw Sex in the City because okay. um she doesn't she's very self absorbed. She doesn't really listen to her friends that properly. She's mm-hmm. just me, me, me. But you know i've seen a lot of people write about this actually and they talk about main character syndrome as this kind of really narcissistic and self-absorbed personality Mm -hmm. trait but i first started seeing this pop up in kind of how-to videos um in like in the context of like how to become the main character in your life and those videos were essentially trying to like teach young girls mainly about how to put themselves first and how to kind of embody this confidence as though they were the main character of like, mm. their own film and how you can romanticize your life, that yeah. phrase that people use, and just start living like yeah. you're yeah. the star, basically.
0: Because <laughs> Jade spoke about the pressures of social media before, but do you think this maybe actually shows a little bit of the well, I'm, I'm sure there's a huge positive side to social media too, in that it's, you know, encouraging people to be themselves and sort of there's this there is a side of positivity before it becomes toxic positivity, which is a whole other thing. But, you know, do you think that shows the the good side of social media too?
2: Yeah, I think it kind of, like, there's like always a back and forth, so you always have, like, one trend, and then you see something else come out of it, The mm-hmm. main character syndrome. And I think, so, I mentioned romanticise your life, and I feel like that came post everyone trying to kind of embody this kind of insta-perfection yeah. on social media and feeling like, you know, if you weren't out on like a five star holiday that you weren't living your best life whereas if you just romanticise the normal stuff like reading a book and actually learning and enjoying that then you can romanticise that and be the main character and actually picture yourself in a film sat by a window reading a book like that would be quite a (laughs) romantic scene Um, so I think it's just kind of like it was a way to switch the mentality so you're not feeling like you're missing out FOMO and you're actually just embracing you and who you are and yeah. even the, like, mundanity of your life.
0: No, yeah, no, I like that idea because sometimes I do open my Instagram and I just think, why does everyone I know just be in Dubai <laughs> at an infinity <laughs> pool all the time? And I'm in the office, I'm just like, how? I just don't get it, but that's what you sort of feel like sometimes. So, uh, some of these phrases seem to relate to phases as well. So, Jade, what's, what's goblin mode?
1: Oh my god, Goblin Mode. So, Olive and I are like the self professed Goblin Mode correspondents at the thing. So we're just obsessed with this phrase. So, the, the roots of the term actually go all the way back to 2009 when someone kind of inconspicuously tweeted it, but it actually resurfaced when everyone's favourite celebrity, Julia Fox. Well, there was actually a fake headline that suggested that she'd broken up with Kanye West because he didn't like it when I went goblin mode. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Which which was disproven. It wasn't true, but um, it went viral immediately and so many people kind of latched onto it as a new vibe, aesthetic, way of Mm -hmm. life, whatever you want to call it. And I kind of think that At its core, it's all about embracing chaos. It's the ultimate anti-aesthetic and it's kind of giving a finger to the self-improvement movement, um, which is kind of what Olive mentioned a second ago about having this kind of insta-perfect life. And there was um, a trend on TikTok called That Girl, How To Be That Girl. And it was kind of putting such an emphasis on being wholesome, Mm -hmm. doing wholesome things and living this wholesome life. And it's like the world is on fire. Everything's yeah, burning yeah. outside. You know, sometimes you want to spontaneously combust with rage. You want to rip your hair out. <laughs> you want to around on all fours foraging for snacks yeah. around your flat. Like, that yeah, is yeah. very, that is very goblin mode to me is yeah. when you just lose all inhibitions and you just begin to kind of be your truest, most feral self.
0: Yeah. I mean, that sounds like my, my dream lifestyle really. That's I mean, yeah, one. I like presenting this podcast. That's cool. But if I could just be crawling around <laughs> looking for snacks at all time, So yeah, if there's, I don't, if there's any jobs being a snack crawler if anyone (laughs) wants to ring in that's fine they can do let's do a little quick fire round to get through a few more of these so olive what is the ick
2: the ick another favorite in the face office um (laughs) so the ick i think this mainly came from love island or it was at least popularized on love island and it is kind of like this feeling that you get when you're dating someone and you just Mm -hmm. don't fancy them anymore um and it's the ick. You can't describe it, but it's just this feeling of disgust and it's just the biggest turn off in the world. But it can be... I think the reason it's become so popular, especially in the past couple of months, is that people have been describing their icks online mm-hmm. and they're so specific that it's hilarious. And so I remember seeing one where a girl got the ick because she saw that, this guy owned a printer or <laughs> <laughs> or someone got the ick when she and her boyfriend went to Harry Potter World and he was riding a broomstick in front of a green screen yeah. and that gave her the ick so things like that that are just, just so specific but Hilarious, and you can also kind of understand why they'd be off-putting and not very yeah, effectually like, yeah. charged. I guess you should say. So that is that feeling. Yeah, I mean, we've written a lot yeah. it about it. We have a whole column dedicated to the. Oh, okay, um, it's called Ickbait. <laughs> I'm thinking about the
0: times I've potentially caused ick right now, and may not sleep this evening because of that. <laughs> as I, as so, I ponder, uh,
1: don't go into it.
0: <laughs> uh, Jade Poggers.
1: Okay, poggers, I'm not going to lie, we struggled with. When you sent that over, we didn't really know what it was, but we did some research. (laughs) So it actually refers to a kind of specific Twitch emoji, which depicts a surprise-looking Pepe the Frog. Um, Okay. You know Pepe the Frog?
0: Mm. Which has some other connotations, right?
1: some kind of 4chan alt-right connotations. Mm. So what started out as being kind of like a harmless toad cartoon has kind of slipped into that kind of more mm. nefarious side of the internet. But basically, it has kind of moved over from Twitch into TikTok to basically mean great, something really sick, oh, okay. something really cool. Kind of like peng adjacent, I would
2: say. Peng adjacent, like clath. Like, yeah. You know, like, okay. yeah, Like banging.
1: Okay, so
0: it's like, I don't know, cool, really. Cool. Yeah, yeah. But cool, wicked, yeah. maybe. That would be wicked. the, that's the naughties version <laughs> of Hoggers, for sure. I would say No cap. What does no cap mean?
1: No cap means, it's basically a way of saying that you're not lying when you're telling okay. a story that seems particularly hard to believe. Mm-hmm. Like no cap, like you, you're tweeting this kind of wild story
2: of something that happened to you and you end it with no cap. Yeah. Or cap when okay. someone is lying. Yeah, well like cap, like high cap with used in rap a lot like in the 80s and 90s to so like okay. they like, you're like exaggerating or like you're boasting too much and you're actually exaggerating okay. the things that you've got whereas now rappers will use it to like both about the things that they've got but then say no cap like I legitimately own a Bentley so you can't come to okay. me
0: so it's like you know so, so people can not be accused of sort of bigging up their credentials sort of yeah. thing they can say no cap
2: like, like this we're on the bunker podcast today no cap <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you say someone's capping nice. it's like they're lying they're lying <laughs> they're
0: you Oliver well, we spoke about goblin mode I feel like this one may be is in the same sort of realm. Feral girl summer.
2: Feral girl summer. Yeah, yes. it's very goblin mode adjacent, I would say. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just about going feral, letting loose, releasing your inhibitions, kind of getting rid of that kind yeah. of perfection, going out in last night's makeup, mm. staying up until 3 a.m.
0: Has post-Covid maybe brought this out Because people are thinking Look I've been trapped inside forever So now it's time to sort of devolve a little bit And do what I like Definitely yeah I yeah.
2: think there's like a lot of TikToks knocking about um, Of girls saying you know I've had enough of mm. this perfect that girl aesthetic again yeah, It's yeah. like kind of a backlash to that I'm just going to go feral this summer I'm just going to go cool. wild I'm going to go to the festivals I'm going to roll around in the dirt <laughs> I don't know um, <laughs> It's definitely like a, a mood, a vibe Okay You two haven't made me feel
0: that old, but you've made me really wish I was younger (laughs) at the same time, is what I say. Jade, uh, simp.
1: Okay, so simp basically means... It's a word to describe a man, usually, mm-hmm. who's kind of overly attentive slash submissive towards a woman and who's kind of really going the extra mile to try and woo her. Okay. So say, commenting excessive fire emojis under a picture she's posted on Instagram, mm-hmm. getting flowers delivered to her office. It's okay. more something that's used within the kind of dating process okay. and it's kind of like a means to an end. Like, this guy wants sex, this guy wants something more, so he's okay. simping. he's simping for a woman.
0: So it's sort of maybe behaviours that on the surface could look... Like, hey, I'm just being nice, I'm being friendly, but really there's probably a bit of a... There's yeah. a clear angle there as to yeah, what they're doing that everyone it, can see. It
1: usually applies to more kind of over-the-top behaviour as well. Okay. This guy's really going for it, we know what he wants, yeah, type yeah. of thing. And it is definitely uses an insult to men to yeah. kind of make them feel stupid for doing okay. those
0: kind of thing. So is it sometimes kind of, you know, guys who aren't getting the message, like they're, maybe they're not that interested, they're like, oh, yeah. well, but maybe if I send 20 roses to their office, they'll be like... Oh, that changed my mind. Yeah, yeah, someone
1: who's simping, like particularly on social media, you know, if someone's like consistently replying to a girl's tweet okay. and she's not really giving anything mm-hmm. back. So, like, oh my God, this guy's
2: simping.
0: Yeah. Simping for this woman. Olive, this one, Normcore.
2: Normcore. So, this one I feel like kind of popped up in the early, to, like early 2010s, and it was coined by a trend forecasting agency called Khole, And it was used to kind of describe this kind of very normal aesthetic like kind of dad jeans plain t-shirt okay. blazers just like very clean timeless clothes mm-hmm. um brands like uniqlo that kind of vibe and i feel like we've kind of moved away from normcore a little bit in that you know kind of got this like really maximalist diy aesthetic that's coming through at the moment in fashion However, I would say that the legacy of Normcore is all of the other cores that we also now have.
0: Yeah, I saw you wrote a piece about this. Well, you called it Namecore, so you added (laughs) to this core problem. Added to the
2: problem, yeah. But yeah, what's going on with that? (laughs) Yeah, so I think people just love to kind of identify trends online. So, And one of the easiest ways to do that is to just add core on the end of a word. So you've got like Goblincore, you've got... Clown Core, Dino Core, mm-hmm. Fairy Core, Regency Core, which is like very inspired by Bridgerton. But yeah, I think people love to coin a trend name. I think part of it is kind of a bit tongue in cheek, or
0: okay.
2: part of this kind of multi layered joke mm. of the internet. Um, but at the same time, once you coin a trend, then you can hashtag it. You can yeah, find yeah. more people who are using that trend. There is this,
1: you
0: know, split between generations people make out, which I don't always actually feel that much I've got older friends I've got younger friends and I don't you know I don't see someone to think you're Gen Z you're not but do you think maybe on a serious note we've had a nice little joke here but if we all just did put in a bit of effort to understand each other a little bit more these splits would not feel as much as they are so maybe we see TikTok and if, as an older person you just think what's going on but you know if you just invest a little bit of time and sort of understand the motivations behind Gen Z you'd kind of realize yeah they you know they're not particularly different they're just a bit younger and they're having a laugh really
1: yeah, I think I would definitely agree with that. I think there's this tendency from maybe older people to kind of look at TikTok and be like, oh my God, it's this instant gratification, you know, Where, where is the culture going and that kind of thing. But again, it's really not that deep, like in the same way that millennials had things that they were interested in or kind of Gen Xers. It's a similar thing for Gen Z now, you know, there's always this kind of relentless pursuit for newness and stuff, which is where a lot of these kind of terms come yeah. from. So. Yeah, I think, you know, you don't need to know all the slang terms, I don't think, to engage with Gen Z a little bit more. But maybe engaging with, you know, platforms like TikTok as a whole would make Mm. more sense in terms of kind of fostering those relationships. But I don't think knowing the slang necessarily is, like, vital at all. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think as well,
2: just, I think... I saw this when I published that na- name name core piece. A lot of people were sharing it being like, Oh my god, kill me or it's got <laughs> it's gone too far, like they're just making it mm. worth now. And it's like, well yeah, they are making it worth, but that's part of the fun of it. Like yeah. that if you can just kind of I guess it's not snobbery, but it's just this kind of like aversion to anything new. Yeah. If you can just like take a moment to like appreciate the humour and the layers behind it then everyone will get on just fine. That's
0: ended on a very wholesome note, I'd say, right there. So, yeah, thank you very much, Jade, for being with me today.
1: Thank you very much for having us, Jacob.
0: And thank you, Olive, for being with us as well.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. It's been really fun.
0: Listeners, remember there's a new Bunker Daily every Wednesday, Thursday and Sunday We'll Start Your Week on Mondays, the main panel show on Tuesdays and the Culture Bunker on Saturdays. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes. You can also back us on Patreon. There's a link in the show notes or just search... Bunker Patreon Podcast. This is Jacob Jarvis, signing out of The Bunker. Thanks for listening. See you next time.
2: The Bunker Daily was written
1: and presented by Jacob Jarvis. The producers were Jacob Archbold, Jelena Sofraniewicz, and Alex Rees. The lead producer was Jacob Jarvis, and the audio producer was me, Jade Bailey. Group editor Andrew Harrison, theme tune by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker is a Podmasters production.